Well, we all know as parents that, uh, and even grandparents in the room today, uh, we all have an immense amount of influence over our kids when they're young. And as we talked about in week two, our goal really is to maintain that influence into their adulthood, right? Our goal is not to control everything. Our goal is to slowly release that control so that we can maintain influence in their life. And so as we talk about spirituality today, I want to start with an overarching truth that we're going to use for today, and it's this, the first filling in your notes, uh, that there is no one with more potential to influence a child's relationship with God than their parents. There is no one, everyone say no one. There is no one with more potential to influence a child's relationship with God than their parents. No one, not even the church. And I get it, right? I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because if we want our kids to learn how to play, you know, football, we take them to football practice. If we want them to learn how to play or do karate, we take them to karate lessons. If we want them to grow intellectually, we take them to school. And if we want them to grow spiritually, we take them to church, right? And we drop them off and we hope for the best. Um, But the church is not the most important spiritual influence in a a child's life, Uh, the parent is. And it is in part simply because of the amount of time and proximity that you have as parents with your kids. I mean, think about this. Even if you were Jesus Jr. and you came to all 52 weeks a year, right? 52 Sundays you never missed for anything and you had them down in their classrooms, which is a wonderful place. They're learning about God's plan for their life, how God loves them and forgives them. They would have what is represented in this cup, 52 Skittles, which represents one hour for every week that we got to help influence your kids spiritually. 52 hours in one year. Now, when you think about parents and your proximity and time with your children, you don't have 52 hours a year. You have 8,736 hours a year with your kids. And even if you took out all of the sleeping, you took away all of the school, you took away all of uh, the extracurricular sports, you would still be left with 3,500 hours a year. Got to get every last hour. Every skittle here represents every hour of influence you have in your kid's life every single year. This is how much the church has, and this is how much you have, right? An incredible opportunity to be a spiritual influence, and that's why your next fill-in, that God has uniquely positioned parents for long-term spiritual influence and guidance. God has uniquely positioned parents for long-term spiritual influence and guidance, right? Come on, we all know this. I mean, when your kids are born, who is there, right? It's the parents, right? At least I hope you're there, right? I mean, kids are born, parents are there. When the kids start kindergarten, who's there? 
The parents. I'll never forget when Landon got on the bus and went to kindergarten. I followed the bus in my car the whole way there, and I sobbed my eyes out the whole way. So I thought, here we are. We're giving away for the very first time. You know, and then when the next two went to kindergarten, I was like, peace out. See, so, you know, like, it changes. As you have more kids, it changes. So, uh, but when kids start elementary school, who's there? Parents are. Uh, when they start junior high, they go into high school and face all sorts of challenges. Who are, who's there? The parents are there. When they decide to go off to college, who's dropping them off? The parents are, right? When they decide to get married, who's giving them away? The parents are, right? Who pays for the honeymoon? Not the parents, right? That's where you draw the line. Not the parents. We don't do that. Um, And so I know that God has positioned us uniquely simply through proximity and the amount of time and influence we have with our kids to be the chief spiritual influence in our kids' life. And I know for all of us, we probably have lots of different family backgrounds and what faith looked like. But if I were to ask you this question... How would you respond? And here's the question. How normal was God in your home growing up? How normal was God? What kind of spiritual rhythm did you have in your home? What did faith look like for you growing up? Um, Because some of you in this room, maybe uh, you grew up in a home where God and faith were not at all a part of the rhythm of your family rhythm part of your life. I mean, you never went to church. You never talked about God. It never came up. And if you're here and you're exploring faith and you're taking steps towards Jesus, I just want to tell you how amazing that is because you are helping to make generational differences for your kids and the generations to follow. Uh, Some of you maybe grew up in a home where God and faith were a part of the holiday rhythm. Uh, we, we call those creasters, people that go on Christmas and Easter, right? Combine those two, you get creaster, right? Maybe that was what it was for you. At, you know, when it was Christmas Eve, it was time to go to church. When it was Easter, also time to go to church. Um, this I brought is our normal dishware we use all the time in our house. And um, when we got married, my wife said, honey, we need to take some money and we need to invest in some fine china. And I said, we do. I said, why? She was like, because. I was about to get married, so I said, good enough for me, right? I mean, that's just what we'll do. We will get some fine china. And so 15, we've been married 15 and a half years. And so when we got married, we invested in this Lennox, beautiful, fine china. And in the last 15 and a half years, we have never used this china. In fact, this box of china has never once been opened. And we're going to open it together right now to see what's inside. I just thought that would be fitting, wouldn't it? Now, my wife is out of town. She has no idea I brought this. She has no idea we're opening this. But here's the deal. As long as no one tells her, we are in the clear, right? We're good. So just nobody say anything. Ooh, yeah, exactly. Look at this fancy teacup. That's pretty special. And then you got a little, oh, it looks like a saucer, right? Makes sense. Cup, saucer. That's good. Um, Another saucer. I don't know why we have this. Why do you need two? Okay, let's move on. Uh, This one is a salad plate. I do know that. I think. I think that's a salad plate. And then, oh, last but not least. Oh, my goodness. This is the Mecca of all plates. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I know. It's surprising. It's beautiful. We've never eaten off these plates, never even opened this box. I kid you not. And for some of you, your faith rhythm growing up 
was a lot like fine china. It only came out maybe once or twice a year, right? My mom had China, her mom had China, and, you know, special occasions, you bring out the nice dishes and threaten your kids within an you know, inch of their life to not wreck it. But maybe that was the rhythm of your life. It wasn't the regular, everyday type rhythm, but it was just the holiday rhythm. Or maybe you grew up in a home where God and faith were a part of the Sunday rhythm, like you went to church, but God never made it into any other days of the week, Right? Monday through Saturday, there was no faith element in your home, but Sundays you went to church. Or maybe you were decidedly in a decidedly Christian home and God and faith were a part of your regular rhythm, but it, it felt like an awkward rhythm because you were given a whole lot of the what and not a whole lot of the why. So I don't know what that faith journey looked like for you, but it's why I love what Paul writes here in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1, when he says this. So here's what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Paul's saying, listen, with this whole relationship with God, I'm not wanting it to be like this fine china that only gets pulled out every so often or on special occasions. Don't let it be the kind of rhythm that only happens maybe once a week on Sundays. He's saying, find a way to make this faith journey an everyday part of your life. And in Deuteronomy 5 and 6, Moses had just revealed the Ten Commandments. It was the Big Ten that God was challenging his followers uh, to live by. And it's really inside of these passages that Moses gives us one of the greatest teachings on parenthood ever recorded in Scripture. And I just want to read parts of this to you. Uh, we pick it up in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1, and it reads this way. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all of his decrees and commands, you will enjoy, and your kids will enjoy, and your grandkids will enjoy a long life. Right? He's saying, listen, as you begin to teach these things to your kids, as you begin to live according to God's ways, not only will you be changed, but your kids will be changed, your, grandparents, your grandkids will be changed, and generation after generation can continue to live in this changed kind of living that our Heavenly Father offers us. And then he goes on, and this is so good, verse 5. He says, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving to you today. Repeat them again and again and again to your children. How often are we supposed to repeat them? Again and again and again. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. When you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This incredible challenge that Moses say, listen, this isn't about a Sunday thing. This isn't about a special holiday thing. No, no, no. This is about your everyday life, living it for God. Uh, this last summer, I had the incredible opportunity to go to Israel and every single hotel that I stayed at, there was a tiny little metal um, 
tube attached to every single doorway. Every hotel I stayed in, there was one. And inside of that metal tube was the tiniest of Old Testament scrolls. Literally from this verse that said, attach it to the doorposts of your home. Um, when I went to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, you often you see a lot of uh, Jews there, practicing Jews, who are living out the Old Testament still as they believe they're waiting for their Messiah yet to come. And I snapped a picture of this young man. I want you to take a look at this. And he's at the Wailing Wall, and if you look real closely, you can see that attached to his hand is a small box, and attached to his forehead is another one. And inside of these boxes are also the Old Testament. Verses may be rolled up and put in there, why? Because of this verse that Moses gave us so long ago to bind it on your hands and to buy it, bind it on your forehead as if to never forget, to always keep it in front of you. Now we know because of what Jesus did that we don't have to do that. We don't have to physically have it bound on our hands and bound on our forehead. But what God is instructing us and inviting us into is to realize the importance of impressing this upon our children we talk about God when we're at home, when we're in the car and we're driving to t-ball practice or at dinner when things come up about what's happening in, in high school, whatever it is, and the problems they're facing, to have a regular rhythm and a lens, a spiritual lens for which those conversations happen with our kids. Moses would still say to this day, and this is your next feeling, to keep this love for God and how to follow him in front of your kids all the time. Keep this love for God and how to follow him in front of your kids all the time. That's the instruction, right? That's the moral of this story that we read about in Deuteronomy. Keep it in front of your kids again and again and again. So question is, how do we do this? How do we do this? And so for the remainder of time that we have, I just want to talk about, I think, a few things, a few thoughts, and then I want to give you a list of some really practical things that might be a help uh, to you. Um, but really, I think the first step, your next fill-in, is to begin by assessing the current spiritual path of your family. To begin by assessing the current spiritual path of your family. To look at the path you're on and to say, is our path more like the regular dishes? Right? Is this what our spiritual journey currently looks like? Or does our spiritual journey actually more look like this? that we only take God out on special occasions. What is it for you? Right, to assess and to ask, you know, five years from now, where is my family going to be spiritually? Where are my kids going to be? Ten years from now, where are they going to be? Remembering, as we talked about this fall in our destination series, that direction always determines destination. It's not intention, right? We all, we've been in that place where we've had the best intentions in the world and ended up in the wrong place, right? So it is spiritually, that it's only direction that will ultimately lead us to the destination where we want to be. And so a great question to ask right on your notes here is, what path is my child on when it comes to how they view God, church, and other people? What path is my child on and how they view God, church, and other people? You know, to be honest about where you're at. To say to yourself, listen, if things remain as is, if, if we've got the China thing going and it's only brought out every so often, where will my kids be down the road? Will they have a close relationship with Jesus? And if not, if my current path projects that they probably won't have a close relationship, then the question becomes, what can I do now to help influence that? What can I do to help influence that? Because at the end of the day, we all know, like we can't make that choice for our kids. They have to choose it all on their own. 
But as parents, we've been given incredible amount of proximity, incredible amount of time to help influence their spiritual life. And so the next step would be to purposefully create your next villain. Purposefully create and lead a spiritual plan for your child that will interact with their daily life. All right, once you've kind of assessed where you're at, just taking an honest look at everything, purposefully create and lead a spiritual plan for your child that will interact with their daily life. Now, let me just hit the pause button real quick because as you look at this, I know what many of us are thinking. That completely overwhelms us because many of us think, I'm not even that intentional maybe about my own spiritual walk. How in the world am I going to create a plan or how am I going to purposefully create some rhythm spiritually for my kids? And if that's you, I get it because I feel some of that pressure, right? It's overwhelming. You see the amount of influence you have with your kids and you want to get it right, you want to do it right. But how do we? And so let's just talk through some practical things. Um, But first, let me illustrate it this way. How many of you have ever lost one of your kids? Uh, You've been out shopping, grocery shopping, okay? I mean, this is an honest place. You can raise your hand. I mean, even momentarily, it's fine. How many of you have just, like, you've had enough and you've, like, purposely tried to lose your kids? Let me see your hands, right? Okay. We've done that. Uh, There's been a few times that Tara and I have momentarily misplaced our kids, right? We're shopping or whatever, and, and we turn around and they're gone. And actually, it happened this morning. I told you, my wife's out of town, and I had all four kids here dressed ready to go by 820. Uh, it was pretty amazing. Hold your applause. And then... I said, listen, I got to do service run through. Landon and Cooper, you are responsible. Our youngest is packed. The other three can take care of themselves, but he's four and a half. And so I said, please stay with him. Just have a donut. I'll be out. We'll take him to his class. And so I get done with service run through, and I go out there this morning, this morning, and I see Landon, and he doesn't have Paxton. I said, where's Pax? He said, I don't know. (laughs) And then we found Cooper, and he doesn't have Paxton. I said, where's Paxton? He said, I don't know. Divide and conquer now. So we start dividing and conquering, and I run down on the kids' wing, and I go down in the classrooms, and there is our precious daughter who took Pax, got him checked into his classroom, brought him to his class, and was in the classroom with him, right? And so she's responsible, and she saved me from being in trouble with mom. But whatever, you know, like she's awesome. She did great. So this morning I misplaced my own son, right? I mean, it just happens to all of us. But if you've been in that moment ever before and you've said, oh, we can't find him, right? How many of you would ever say, you know what? Like finding kids just isn't my expertise. And so I'm just going to hit up Orange Julius and I'm going to let the experts take care of this and finding my kids. How many of you would say that, right? Or how many of you would say, you know what? Gosh, ah, my five-year-old has such an independent spirit. I think this would be good for him to figure out how to get home and just, you know, for really, it's going to build some character here. None of us would say that. Every single one of us would say, drop everything we're doing and we would go and find our kids. Why? Because we love them, we care about them, we feel responsible for them. And it is with that same passion that I want you to think about how you can become purposeful in your kid's spiritual life because it is that important. It's that important. But I know there's probably a couple things holding us back, right? As we even talk about this plan about creating spiritual rhythms for your kids, I I know one of the the pushback or some things that are rolling around in our heads right now is, um, Ryan, I don't feel like I know enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know about Jesus. I don't know enough. And what if they ask me questions? And that's a great question. And I would just say the answer is it provides a great opportunity to learn together. 
to say, you know what, I don't know the answer, but let me call Jeremiah, right? Let me call somebody else that knows some things, right? Or let me get onto a few websites that could maybe answer some of this. Let's open up God's word. Let's search that out. So don't be afraid. You don't have to have all the answers. Here's the other thing I know rolling around in probably some of our heads. Is you'd say, Ryan, I feel like a hypocrite half the time. How in the world could I like preach this to my kids when I don't even feel like I'm always living this out? And that's also a great question. And the reality is, is that none of us could be all of these things all of the time. None of us. And there will be moments that we blow it. There will be moments that we say the wrong things, that we do the wrong things, et cetera, et cetera. But what it provides is an opportunity for them to see you apologize, to see you receive forgiveness from them and from your heavenly Father. And what it does is it helps create this rhythm of grace in your home, of understanding their heavenly Father's love and care and grace for them when they see it lived out in you, even haphazardly. Right? We're not going to get it all right. So I get that. I totally get that. But I would say this about spiritual leadership, your next film, that spiritual leadership has nothing to do with expertise or perfection, but a willingness to keep trying. A willingness to keep trying. Say, you know what? We don't have all the answers, and I don't have all this down but I'm going to keep trying with my kids. I'm going to take one day at a time, one conversation at a time, one rhythm at a time to be intentional about it. And as long as we have that commitment to say, God, with your help, so grateful, God, that you're filling in the gaps, the places where I miss and the places that I don't measure up. But God, with your help, I want to do this thing. I want to help create this spiritual rhythm for our kids. And so in the last few minutes we have, I want to just help give you some practical ideas to help your child grow spiritually. And you may have others that you want to add to the list, and that's great. And here's some things that we've found that's worked over time. And so let me just run down some of these. I would say one of the first things you can do is pray regularly together. Um, Pray regularly together. And let me just be honest with you. This is going to feel really awkward at first. If you don't have this rhythm, it is. It's just going to feel awkward. Um, And I would just encourage you, push through the awkwardness to pray and to have your kids pray. And maybe it's at mealtime. Maybe it's at bedtime uh, when issues arise in their life and you just stop and say, hey, can we pray about what's going on in your world? And as you push through that awkwardness, that rhythm will start to become established and pretty soon you'll feel like, wow, this is a regular part of what we do as a family. Uh, The next thing I would just say is uh, have regular devotions or a time to read the Bible together. Um, this could be at bedtime. We try at least once a week if we can, twice a week to try to have devos with our kids. And it's just, we've gone through like little devotional books for kids. And you can go onto Amazon. I encourage you to do that. Go on Amazon devotions with families or kids, boys, girls, etc. And And we'll do it. And I, it's so hard because I feel like half the time, like they're fighting, half the time someone's farting, half the time like somebody's like, you know, opening their eyes during prayer and trying to flick each other. And I feel like literally, I feel like 30 to 40% of the time I leave devotions ticked off. I'm like, that did not go as planned. But we're creating some spiritual rhythm for our kids. And every time we get done reading, we talk about what we feel like maybe God would want us to know through that. And then we have each of them pray. Right? And sometimes they're silly prayers, simple prayers, but it's teaching them this rhythm that they can converse with their Heavenly Father and their Heavenly Father's listening. 
right? It's something that we all want to do. So uh, that's another thing. I would say uh, put like a memory verse or a Bible verse on the wall or on the fridge. That's something great to see. We were going to do this, and like six months ago, we put a verse in our mudroom, and it is still the same verse. We have not changed it out yet. And our kids are like, why isn't that verse changed? And I'm like, because it's just not in you yet. I don't think you've changed, and so we need to, we're just going to keep it up there. We're just going to keep it. Um, I would say be at church every Sunday that you can. Right, I know you're going to have stuff going on, and that's fine. That's great. Vacations, do it, all of it. But when you're in town, be in church as often as you can because those hours in church matter. They matter, right? Your kids right now are learning about God's plan for their life, his love and his grace, and they're, they're meeting friends that are going the same faith direction. And that's why we say, as well, join a small group every semester. So important for your kids to see uh, parents with other parents going in the same faith direction. Kids going with other kids in the same faith direction. Build those relationships. Next, I would just say serve in a, in a kid's room and grow together. If you have little ones, just do that. Go serve with them. Great opportunity even to invest in them spiritually. Um, have your teens serve with you somewhere at Riverway. Um, I love it when I see our teenagers serving. Uh, one of our teenagers, Elliot, he's running camera this morning. Great job, Elliot. Right? And I love to see that uh, on teardown, set up, you know, guest impressions, whatever it is. Like, it's just great to see that. Um, another thing, ask about what they learned in church. Get online. Use the resources. Connor, our kids pastor, he puts on our Facebook kids page every single week. Here's what we talked about. Here's great questions to ask your kids. I encourage you, use those as a reference to create spiritual dialogue with your kids. Uh, you know, when we're driving home, t- typically from church, I'll ask them if they're in the car with me. I'll say, hey, how did, you know, how did kids church go today? What did you learn today? And sometimes they can tell me. And I'm like, oh, it's awesome. And sometimes they're like, you know, I learned that you know, candy's good, or I don't know, you know, it's something stupid, but whatever. But again, they're in that rhythm, and they're learning. Um, next, I would say pray over your children on a regular basis. So powerful. Like, even as you're driving, shut off the radio and shut off the music, and just pray over every single one of your kids. Pray over your spouse. Pray for your family. Never underestimate the power of a praying parent. Next, I would just say ask questions. Ask the kind of questions like this. What would Jesus want us to do, right? As issues arrive, as things pop up in normal life, what would Jesus want us to do? What does the Bible say about that? Or what do you think God thinks about that? These are just great questions you can ask as different situations arise. Now, I know in going through that list, it's going to look different for every family. And I would just say find some ways to be intentional about it. Do some things on purpose. But in light of all of that, there is one guideline uh, for all of this, and it's your next fill-in that this is not about forcing our faith, but modeling it in a way that causes them to own it for themselves. That's what we want. It's not about forcing our faith, right? We're not trying to cram it down their throats. No, no, We want to model this as parents and as grandparents, as uncles and aunts. We want to model this in such a way that they want to lean in. And so let me ask you, as we're modeling, are you the first to forgive when someone offends you? Or do your kids... Watch you hold on to a grudge and belittle others. When your child has a problem with someone, do you help them find a way to get back at that person or do you teach them how the followers of Jesus respond to conflict? When someone says something hurtful about them, do you try to figure out how to retaliate or do you take time to remind them of who they are in Jesus? And then that's really all that matters. They're the apple of his eye made in his image and nothing that anybody says about them can last.
you share with your kids what God's teaching you and let them see you growing spiritually so they understand the daily rhythm of God and they see it in, even in your own life? What does that look like? Because as parents, grandparents, we have to model this. We have to because this is what we know. Come on, we all know this is true. That they really won't do what we say as much as they will do what we do. They're watching our lives and they're gonna model their life after ours. So let me just hit the pause button real quick and just talk to the men for a moment. Because I, I wanna share a statistic with you um, that when I read it, it just rocked my world and that's why I wanna share it with you today. That when a woman chooses to follow Jesus and goes to church and decides to take spiritual steps, the family will follow her in that decision 17% of the time. When a man chooses to follow Jesus and take those steps to grow spiritually, the rest of the family follows 93% of the time. 93%. The important decision, men, to lead our families spiritually cannot be understated. It can't be. And I want to challenge all of us men in the room to move past any insecurities, to move past the awkwardness, to move past our fears, and to begin trying to lead spiritually for your kids. Paul David Tripp, he's a pastor and author, he said this, and I thought it was so good for all of us. He said, parenting is not first about what we want for our children or from our children, but about what God in grace has planned to do through us in our children. Right, just asking this question in prayer, God, what do you want me to, what do you want to do through me to help my kids grow in their faith? Whether your kids are little, whether your kids are growing, growing, great prayer. God, what do you want to do through me to help my child know you and to love you? Because as parents, we want to prepare them for the rest of their life, don't we? Of course we do. But we know that life can be hard. Right? It's not all roses. It's not all beautiful. Um, I found these pictures this week, and I just thought it was a, a riot, and I had to share these with you. These are pictures of kindergartners at the beginning of the first day and at the end of the first day, okay? And so here's the first one, right? Before school, woo, after school, my life's over. All right, next one. Yep, yep, I mean, yep. I mean, all the hope in the world is they're getting ready to leave. That first day of kindergarten can rock your world, can it not, Right? The bow has gone. We have no idea where it is. I mean, this poor girl. Life was hard the first day of kindergarten. Let me tell you that, right? <laughs> she even had to change her outfit. There's the last one there, right? Man, and it's easy for our kids to go, oh, life will be great, life will be great, and we're just so excited. But the reality is, is that life will punch them in the mouth. Life is hard. And yet when they have a relationship and rhythm with Jesus, as we're preparing them in that direction, it will make their life through Jesus so much better. So much better. And that is why, your last villain, the main spiritual goal as a parent is to gradually transfer my child's dependence away from me until it rests solely on Jesus. That's the main spiritual goal that over time as their independence is growing, they're shifting dependence away from me and on to Jesus. Because they depend on us for everything, don't they? 
But over time, we want to transfer this so they no longer depend on us for everything. But they have learned when life punches them, they know how to lean into Jesus. They know how to build a foundation. They know how to have their house stand firm because we have been preparing them all the way along. One of my favorite memories uh, was about 10 and a half years ago when I got to have a conversation with my grandfather in the hospital. Uh, 10 years ago, he fell. He hit his head and he ended up in the hospital. And I remember going up to visit with him. And my grandpa, he was always, he just always wanted a cheap laugh. I mean, however you could get it. Dry sense of humor. And one of his favorite stories was how the edge of his nose got cut off by a shovel in the army. And they had to find it and restitch it. And, you know, and he loved to tell that story. And so we're in the hospital. And somehow that story came up again, as it usually did, as if we had never heard it before. And, you know, and as, you know, we're laughing and all of these things, he begins to, as he normally did, just walk this rhythm of spirituality by talking about how faithful God has been, how good he's been. And here I am listening to this as he's telling me these things and I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of taking it in because this was normal for grandpa to live it out kind of in this way. They talked about the blessings of God and the protection of God and all that. And what I didn't know is that that would be the very last conversation I'd have with my grandfather. Because just a couple of days later, he died. And yet as I reflect back on that time and the person that he was, he made a rhythm of spirituality normal for his family. That's been passed down. But he also did something I think is even more important. He helped paint a picture of God that was worth following. And every time he talked about his heavenly father, I thought to myself, that's how I want to know my heavenly father. And I know if we were to ask in this room, how many of you want your kids to know and love God? So we'd all raise our hands. How many of you want to paint a picture of God worth following? We'd all raise our hands. So the question becomes, what is one or two things that you and I can do this week to begin to establish some spiritual rhythm in our home? That using all of the time that we have with them to not just bring out the fine china, but to have it be lived out every single day. Because as much time as this seems, it's slowly fading away. The time is becoming shorter. And so what will we do with the responsibility God has given us to create this spiritual rhythm in our home? so important that we all lean in. Can we pray together? Mind just closing your eyes? And I would love just for us to take the next 30 seconds just between you and God. And maybe you'd ask this question, Heavenly Father, where is an area that I can help my kids grow in their faith? So just between you and Him, let's do that right now. Heavenly Father, we just readily admit that we are often overwhelmed as parents. And yet in our heart of hearts, we want to get it right. 
we want to do the very best job we can to lead them to you. And so I'm grateful, God, that your grace fills in all the gaps for the areas we fall short and the times that we're not there. But in every single moment that we're present, would you give us this intentional courage to lead our families spiritually, to have the kind of spiritual conversations we need to have, to model this for them, to paint a picture worth following. God, even when we mess up, even when we fail, even when we don't have all the answers, I thank you that you're there to pick us up as we try again and again and again to impress this on their minds and impress this in their hearts. So help us this week. Take some intentional steps. And for every parent in this room whose kids are grown and maybe they're far from you, I pray that they would continue to have incredible influence and that that influence would grow when it comes to spiritual things and that you would place the right people in their life at the right time to reinforce what's been in our hearts all along. And we thank you that you're watching over them. So we give all this to you. In Jesus' name.